0: All right, Hi, welcome to the, the Cloud9 podcast. Um, this is Michael Hansen from Cloud Task, and today I'm joined by a very special guest from Massachusetts, uh, Dave Wilson. Um, over to you, Dave, to tell us a little bit more about yourself.
1: Yeah, my name's David Wilson. I'm VP of Performance Marketing and Analytics at 451 Agency in Boston. We're a typical ad agency, performance marketing, creative, brand strategy, PR, and um, social media.
0: Awesome. And uh, to kick things off, tell us um, an interesting fact that uh, people may
1: not know about you. Oh, you, you, you'll appreciate you'll appreciate this one. Um, Manchester United played Barcelona Champions League final two thousand and eleven in May in at Wembley. Three months later, they played in a friendly in um, Washington DC. Um, I using SEO and and email marketing, I sold three percent of the tickets in that stadium that night. Wow.
0: Great facts. No, I love that. Um, yeah. SEO in football marketing is quite interesting. I, I'm a Chelsea fan myself. And previously I was Googling Chelsea tickets. And the first thing that would come up was Fulham ticket news, which I couldn't believe. And then of if- <laughs> a friend of mine that works for an agency told me they just got Chelsea as a client and I didn't believe him. And then I think five months later when I was typing Chelsea ticket news, Chelsea actually came up. So he was obviously, obviously doing a better job than Chelsea were doing internally. Um, yeah. so yeah, that's a fun start. Anyway, the, the reason um, we invited Dave on today, we've got uh, a very special topic, which is, is mainly around sales and marketing alignment. Um, even though a lot of David's work has been within um, demand generation and marketing, he's always been very aligned with the sales teams he's worked in. Um, so one question, it's kind of a big overarching question, um, Dave, but I'll, I'll start with the main question. So we, when we've worked with companies, we've seen sometimes... Marketing owns the, the BDR team, the business development rep team um, or demand generation. And then in other occasions, it's, it's the sales team. And just to clarify for listeners who may not know, the, when we say the, the BDR team, they're effectively the ones who have the responsibility of, of setting up meetings um, for um, senior sales team members to close. So who do you think should, which department do you think should own uh, the, the BDR team? It's the, it's, it's the age-old question within mm.
1: sales and marketing organizations. No. Um, I've been within organizations that have changed it um, and have been in ones that marketing owned owned it and others where sales owned it. My personal bias is BDRs are part of of marketing. for the simple reason is that it's not a sales qualified lead. It's it's somebody filled out a form on on a website. They haven't been qualified. We don't know what their expectations are. To me, that's not someone who should be passed off over to a sales rep and that's the person doing that qualifying and qualification of that rep and belongs to marketing.
0: Okay, that's interesting. Um, I guess a, an, another thing that, that we've been discussing recently is because you've obviously got two scopes for a BDR, which is one is a BDR is following up on inbound leads, as you said. So that's obviously very related to marketing. Marketing's yeah. doing SEO ebook downloads, whatever it is to get that inbound marketing lead. And then a BDR follows up to get a meeting with that inbound lead, right? For a, for a senior salesperson to come on. What about the instance where it's an outbound lead, right? So it's, it's more cold. These are the people we want to go after. The BDR is going to go after them without any input from marketing. Do you think marketing should still own those as well? Or do you think that should be sales?
1: That's an interesting twist on it and um, in that instance if if your if your business is 100 percent outbound then marketing is just a function it's marketing is not charged with lead general revenue right that's just not what what their remit is so in that case case to me that bdr would just be part of that sales team and um, again they're doing the, they're doing the qualification but marketing is not providing any added value to that interaction. They're not generating the leads, Hmm. they're not generating the names. And in that case, I believe that it should all be done through sales. Sure, that's interesting. Sorry, go ahead, Dave. it, It depends on the organization then, right? If it's primarily inbound, I think that the BDR belongs in marketing. If your primary business model is outbound, then I think that BDR belongs in sales. And what about if you know, you're a big company,
0: we've seen this as well, you have maybe an inbound team and an outbound team. Um, I guess you're just splitting those two teams between the departments or how would, how would you write that?
1: I think at the end of the day, you're, you're either one or one or the other. You're either getting yeah. the majority of your leads from, from inbound or from, or from outbound. and Unless it's 50-50, which is really rare, right, one of them's the majority, and whichever one's getting the majority, the move, that's where the BDR belongs.
0: Yeah, okay, no, 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 that, ma- that makes complete sense. Um, so f- following on from, from that question, and you know, kind of about the, the BDR role, a similar question is, when do you think a lead should be handed off from sales or marketing, which is again, a, a big question. Because um, obviously, I remember I've worked with you <laughs> in previous organizations and you guys had all kinds of um, categories like marketing qualified inquiry, marketing qualified lead, and, and who knows what else. Um, but when do you think is the ideal time for marketing to pass off a lead to sales?
1: To me, when it's qualified. So, so let me take a, a step back on that. Um, most of my career has been spent in marketing. The rock stars and organizations are the sales reps because they're the ones that drive the revenue so to me is i want to get my rock star in front of someone who is really interested in the product and has a time frame has a budget so you've done all the bant and is you know getting ready to buy before that point in time that time is way too valuable to be spending qualifying so to me is the BDR spends time qualifying when they go through the band, when, when they understand that, yes, this is a, a legit lead, there is a budget there, there is a need, there is a time frame, that's when we bring the sales rep in so that he, can, he, can, he or she can close it. But up until that point, I believe it belongs with the BDR because it's not sales qualified in my mind. So it belongs to the BDR and that's under the marketing umbrella.
0: So it's effectively taking uh, the BDR's job is to take the marketing qualified lead to a sales qualified lead, and then at that point the the rep should come in. Exactly. That's interesting. And another question I had: this is kind of as you're moving towards the funnel. Um, this is actually a, a post I put in the Modern Sales Pros group, which is quite an active group of, of sales leaders on on Google. Um, is at what stage do you think? that lead should be put as an opportunity and on a deal board. Um, So the reason I ask is as soon as the BDR puts it, um, qualifies it, do you think it should go as an opportunity then or do you think it should be before? When do you think um, that
1: should be registered as an opportunity in your CRM? I think the sales rep uh, is the one who determines whether there's, there's a real opportunity here or not. Because there's, there's times that the BDR the gets um, ov- overly aggressive, overly enthusiastic. And, and when our, our sales rep goes in and does the further discovery, they actually find out, you know what, this is a budget, this, this 2020. And so, you know, we'll, we'll reach back out in January. It's not an opportunity. It's, you know, that just goes back back into the funnel. So to me, sales reps own the opportunity creation. Um, not not the BDRs. It's when that sales rep says, yes, this meets whatever criteria I have for this to be an opportunity. Um, yeah. Time frame, budget, you know, need, whatever those happen to be. At that point in time, that's when it becomes an opportunity.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it was an interesting thread that I read because there was a lot of people that said what you think, which is actually what I think as well. Um, but others said the BDRs should be the one putting it on the... The deal board, and then if it's not an opportunity, they can put it to opportunity lost. Um, but I'm of the mindset, as you said, it, it should you should really qualify it first before it's put as an opportunity, because otherwise you've got all kinds of of deals going on. Um, taking a step back a bit, so obviously I think where you've been most involved with BDR teams is as you said, taking that inbound lead and and getting it into the, the sales funnel to a sales qualified lead. What are some of the best practices um, for following up on inbound leads, do you think?
1: That the BDR, even when they sit within marketing, they have to be really familiar with what the sales process is that sales is using. Because if you're going to qualify someone, you're qualifying someone to meet the criteria that your sales team is, is then going to, to work through to the end of the deal. So even though that a BDR is under Marklin's umbrella or was under my umbrella, we're really closely with the you know, VP of National Sales to make sure that the training is the same. That we're asking we're asking similar questions, and um, so that we can uncover what the sales sales person needs. So, um, you know, I think having the two of them work really closely together. Um, is, is really important and this BDRs need part of that ongoing sales training so that they can, they can keep in touch with that and on top of that.
0: Awesome and then something you, you may I'm sure you felt as every I think person that's working marketing or sales has is that um, disalignment between marketing and sales and that friction I think that bec- the alignment becomes even more important when marketing's owning the, the BDR team as well So, what are your top tips for, you know, aligning sales and marketing and having less
1: friction between the two departments? Constant communication, and then with when there's issues, and the issue normally comes up when a BDR qualifies a lead and it goes to sales, and sales says, "I spoke, I couldn't get a hold of that person. I spoke to them. They're not interested. They're just not qualified." In those ones, it's now sit down with the BDR and the sales rep and, and the sales team and let's figure out what happened. If we have a recording of the call, which in some states that you can get, then it's great because you can listen to the call and then go through it and say, okay, what was it that we asked? Did we ask the right questions? Did we maybe maybe that person was qualified and the issue then actually wasn't with the BDR as with the sales rep, because the sales rep didn't ask the right questions. But it's, it's be able to have that open dialogue that goes that goes two ways, where it's people are not defensive because we're all trying to get we're all trying to get to the same goal. But you know, to me, sit down after each one of them, um, that talk through any of the potential issues, and then being able to to take that and move on to the next one. So open dialogue. If you don't have an open dialogue, um, it just doesn't work.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, something we've done is had uh, actually daily meetings between the marketing and sales teams. Uh, mm-hmm. Just very short, but it just ensures everyone's on the same line because there's always that classic thing where, as you said, marketing is saying sales isn't following up enough times. Sales is saying the marketing leads aren't qualified. And I think often the biggest thing is, is miscommunication, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I think once you break that down, it, it helps a lot. Um, another question is regarding, so going back to the inbound, the outbound thing, one of the things we've seen recently is outbound is quite a different skill set, potentially you know, harder because you, you've got to take that cold lead into a warm lead, right? whereas an inbound lead is already warmed up a bit. It's already a little bit through the funnel to take it through. Do you think outbound BDRs should be compensated higher than inbound BDRs given the, their challenges is more difficult? I
1: guess that depends. It's a good question. To me it's what would be Fortune we can cut this piece out, so I'm good. Yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> and, it's I know this is a this is a hard question. This is another one I, I wrote on LinkedIn and again it completely cut everyone in half. So 'cause I, I think in the modern day as well, just a lot of the responses we were getting, there's a lot of account executives. Um, or salespeople that will only follow up on inbound leads. And it's funny because the whole term inbound, outbound is like a new thing. Like 20 years ago, all salespeople were having to do outbound. Whereas now, you know, salespeople have got the luxury of following up on these warmer leads. Um, So it's almost like sales has become a little bit lazy, you know?
1: So let's take a step back in that. So I think part of that question is how are we defining outbound leads then? If, so an inbound is you came to the website and you filled out a form and, and you downloaded something and you said that I is an inbound rep, inbound PDF can contact you.
0: Yep. Um,
1: but then, so we can create metrics around that about how I should get paid depending on how successful. But how is the outbound piece working? Um, it's not the old days where it's a telephone book and you're just calling people through a telephone book. So- right. There's normally some sort of contact to someone, and they did something to express an interest in your product or service. Yeah, so they might not be as warmed up using using your terminology as a inbound rep. Yeah, an inbound lead, but they're somewhat warm. They're not ice cold. Um, so you know, based based on that, I think that from a that I think the compensation should be very similar, right? That they're going to get base and they're going to get um, bonus based on the lead goals and and whatever those metrics be. But I don't think from an outbound standpoint, in 2019, there's an awful lot of people who were dialing for dollars and just dialing for people and were too mature as a marketing organizations and sales organizations to be past that. So... No, well, there is a degree of warmth to that person you're reaching out to.
0: Yeah, for sure, and I think even as you said, the the colder outbound leads with technology now. You know things like um, Discover Org or Apollo, who are a partner of ours. You can have those filters, so you can search particular technologies, and if those technologies are competitors of yours, you can create that super personalized outreach, mm-hmm. which is same like if you're, you know, using an inbound lead or. Um, intent data is of course a new thing so you know people have been searching certain things on google with intent and even though they haven't come to your website and as you said chatted with you or filled out a form you actually know they have that need because you've actually got data on it um, it's just it wasn't directly it's it's more that they don't know about your brand but you you do know that they have that need so i think that's a, a good point that you make
1: yeah they're just slightly further off the funnel as you said there are target audience. They're doing the research. They haven't got to the point that brought them to our website, so in that stage above that, but this only fit all the criteria or a lot of the criteria that we're looking for in new customers.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um, so another question because we were talking before about qualification, um, and you were talking about you know when a lead is is properly qualified by the BDR, that's when it should be handed over to to sales. Um, you mentioned Bant there. Is there any other um, kind of terminology or, or theories you have in order to qualify a lead? How do you define
1: a qualified lead yourself? To me, it's it's a reach the right person, the person who can make the buying decision. They have a need for the product that we have. They have a budget and they have a, a reasonable timeline. And so if if they, which is Bant definition, but... um to me that's that's what you what you need if you can check all of those boxes um, to me that's the lead i can i can pass off great um, and
0: then another so another big term at the moment is obviously account-based marketing um it's funny because i've said it, it's strange that it's called we only hear about account-based marketing we never hear about account-based sales and really it should be account-based everything you know it should be account-based customer success um mm-hmm. as well um do you think as well, you know, the BDRs should be taking an account-based sales approach? So, for example, if you receive an inbound lead um, that maybe it's not the decision-maker, the, the BDR should be reaching out to, you know, various buyers within that chain as well.
1: My personal opinion is no. Is if, if I'm... Uh, no, I contradict myself. <laughs> we can
0: cut it <laughs> out, Dave, don't worry.
1: I'll, I'll, I'll contradict myself here if i'm talking to someone who's interested in the product has a budget and a timeline, yeah I pass that off to to um, our sales team because invariably it's not one person who's making a buying decision sure right the, the, there's there's a group of them and and it's it's my and um, the job of the sales team is to then speak to that person, make sure they're qualified, use them as an evangelist for our product then to their peers within the company so that we can get everybody on board to make the decision, especially if it's a six, seven, eight-figure investment. Sure. Um, right? It's, it's gonna be a committee, so and you have to start with, with one person. But to me, that's, the, that's when you get really good sales reps who can take that name and take that lead and be able to, to reach out to everybody within the organization that's gonna be involved in that decision and, and bring them all on board.
0: So that's funny, going back to my point. So you think the account-based approach is actually more critical with the sales rep rather than the marketing team and the BDRs?
1: Yeah, because at, at that point, it's, it's personal relationship. There's so many people involved in it that that you have to build um, relationships with a whole group up and up and down, um, across the C-suite or whichever verticals that, that you're in. And to go after, and to me, that's why sales reps are rock stars because they can build those relationships, right? They can get they can get in deep, they can uncover those needs and additional needs and sell more into the account. To me, Mm -hmm. you need someone with experience with really great sales skills to do that. That's not normally where a BDR is. If a BDR has those sort of skills, they're in the wrong job.
0: Very interesting. Yeah. No, it's um, going back to what I said, account-based sales is a term that I don't don't think is used enough, and ABM is such a buzzword, but I think account-based sales is something we're gonna be seeing soon. Um, Mm -hmm. We're not seeing soon, as as you said, it exists, but I think the actual term itself will become more popular. Um, And what about yourself, your own experience as well? Obviously, as you said, you've managed BDR teams yourself, even under the hat of, you know, demand generation and marketing. Um, what are some of your own best practices for working with BDRs, managing BDRs, et cetera?
1: Clear goals and expectations, I think. So you know, when, I, when I, I have a team, it's for them to understand these are my goals these are for you, these are my expectations for you, and then it's my job as a manager to give them the skills that they need in order to be successful. And, so, and that comes from communication that comes from being able to bring in training, listen to calls, giving feedback, you know, all of those things. Um, but to me, it's another platform that says, this is what the success looks like for you. And I will help you get there and I will give you what you need to do. And then all the BDR has to do is just go out and do what they do in order to, in order to reach that. Yeah,
0: exactly. That's that's a great point. It brings you back to I've I've seen a lot of things on LinkedIn recently. There's this terrible trend that's happening of like BDR shaming, where people are saying, "Oh, look at this terrible prospecting email I got, or this terrible call, etc." And there's kind of been a fight back against that, where a lot of sales leaders are saying, "Hey, that's not the BDRs' fault. It's terrible. You're shaming them on LinkedIn. It's it's actually the managers, right?" Because the managers are there to coach and train them and, and set the goals and, and set them up for success so are you are you in line with that kind of thinking as well that really the managers the, the key parts of the BDR
1: I think I think it's huge I think as part of that is it's interesting that they're doing that we can I can sell and um, shame on on a daily weekly basis <laughs> make build of them right and and I do and um, take regular calls um, from people who are just not prepared at all yeah. for the that, that, that we're having so we can shame BDRs or, or sales reps but yeah it, it, at the end of the day if, if I have a, a rep on the phone who's not qualifying and not doing a good job that's on me as a manager because either the training I gave them wasn't good enough or they didn't understand part of it and now I have to go back and recoach that so you know it, it comes down to hiring a really good manager to, for the BDRs who understands the job, who's experienced in it, and can provide the coaching piece, so that, which are all traits you don't normally find a lot of marketing people. Yeah. But if you have that, then your BDRs will be successful. As a manager, you have to be invested in their success.
0: Yeah, 100%. That that When you were talking about when you've been on terrible sales calls and, and demos, that actually brought me back to a point. This is a, a shout-out to you. I was having dinner with Dave once in, in Boston, and he mentioned that he sets aside time every week to To have demos with different vendors, right? Different tools, different marketing tools that can help you. And you said, even if you don't end up um, leveraging those tools, it's educational, right? Because you're learning about all these um, tools every week. So I thought that was great. And um, I don't know if you have any kind of additional comments on that as well. But, it's, yeah.
1: it's, my, it's my number one way to keep on top of what's trending and, and what's coming up and, and what's happening is to, to work through the you know the 100 plus 200 plus emails on a weekly basis and figure out which ones are in a topic that i'm interested in and then can, i can set up some calls and i can find out about this subject and um, a lot of times at the back of my mind is trying to understand how do i take this and apply it to the business so if they're really good and we end up doing business with with, with that um with that vendor um, the worst is educational for me um, or actually the worst is probably I end up with sales stories that, you know, we can share over drinks. <laughs> I have this experience, right? Um, but as I said, it's, it's, it's a really good educational period for me and um, a tactic for me. And, and then what's interesting is looking at all these different, um, sales skills and self tactics, how people approach the call, you know, it's a, it's a 25 minute call um, and somebody spends, you know twenty minutes asking me questions and then there's a five minute demo. And I'm like, you know, if it if it didn't have the need or bit of the interest, really. Yeah, also, yeah right? of course. So, so sell me your product. Tell yeah. me how good it is, right? Get me interested about it. Yeah. But no, they have this long checklist of questions that they want to fill in. And by the time of it, I'm like, you have three three minutes left to give me a yeah. demo. And sure. I'm not going to give you another call because yeah. you read this, what you missed. Mismanage this one.
0: No, hundred percent. It's that balance in sales. I think you do have to ask a few questions, but you don't ask too many. And and as you said, if you know that person has a need, then you know get to it. Gong.io actually wrote a, a great blog around that, like the ideal number of questions to ask, and it said so many people, especially when they're dealing with C-level, C-level want maximum two or three questions because they're so busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, sales guy, I think because we've come into this consultative selling approach. People think they have to ask lots of questions, but it's actually not the case. As you said, sometimes you just want to get to the point. Um, final question for you, Dave. What do you think is the the future of the BDR role? So the reason I ask, I know it's quite a broad question, is there's a lot of talk about you know the BDR, if the human BDR is going to die out because all of this automation and conversation AI and all these things that are popping up. Do you think there's still going to be a role for um, a human BDR in you know five to ten
1: years? Yeah, because at, at the end of the day, what, I'm gonna be interested in a product uh, or a service, and I'm going to request more information. And somebody's gonna have to pick up the phone and call me. I might do email, I might do chat, but at the end of the day, we wanna hear the human voice on, on, on the other end of it. You can answer, answer questions. You wanna, you know, we make purchases based on um, connections to people. And somebody can have a really great product, yep. but if that connection between me or and that sales rep isn't good, then you know the likelihood of me making that purchase is a lot lower than having a great interaction and a great chemistry, right? So in order to have that, you need a human on, on the other end. It, it cannot be bot driven. Yeah, we get you so far, but you need a human to close, and you yeah. need a human to in essence to set it up because it's set it up and then you need another human to close
0: yeah 100 i uh, i agree with you on that front and as you said almost the the sales people the, almost the brand of companies right because you speak with them and and if a sales rep is not doing a good job you you can often judge a company badly and i think there's a lot of people that even b2b companies that are trying to almost create e-commerce websites and we've had clients like this and they Want everything done online, and then they actually realise they need they still need BDRs. Like you can't just do everything automated. It's however however far technology goes, it's still always there to, to assist humans, right? Not to replace humans. So,
1: absolutely, and I mean, sort of the, the story that I give to illustrate this is um, a couple of years ago, my daughter was looking for colleges, the colleges in the U.S. A three hundred thousand dollar four year investment. Will buy a condo in Boston, it's about the same price. Yeah. But you, you, they, they, the colleges get you on campus for a tour because that's the big close piece. Yeah. They entrust that tour to a college student who's been poorly trained. So you're entrusting a $300,000 purchase with a 20, 21 year old who's maybe spent four hours or six hours in training. And the number of um, skills that we toured, and my daughter really liked going into it, and she walks out, and that was a really bad tour. I hated this. I hated that. And that skill automatically gets cut from the list because they, that human connection, it was a poor demo. It was a poor tour, um, and they were lost the sale. Yep.
0: No, that's a great example of again what I was saying about the the human brand of of sales as well. Um, mm-hmm. We well, yeah, great last words, Dave. Been uh, interesting to talk as always, and, and picking your brain. And um, yeah, I look forward to seeing you soon in uh, in Boston.